Yo, everybody, welcome to the Ednium Podcast, where we have real conversations with the amazing talent in Denver's backyard to inform the system and change the game for the next generation. I hope you're thriving. Let's go. Amber Live, how are you? Hey there, I'm good. Man, we, we made it. Do it all. Do it all. The folks waited a little bit, but we're here now. We're here now. I appreciate you coming through. Happy to be here. Uh, how's your How's your day? Legislation, legislative. Let me get that right. Session just ended, right? You feeling like you just got out the last day of school, or? <laughs> I gotta tell you, it does feel like that. Um, we just ended a few days back, and we used every second left in the legislature. Yeah. Um, we went till. Basically, the till the clock struck midnight uh, to get everything done, but but we got it done. So how how does it work? Is it like it's like legit? Yo, we're done at this time. There ain't nothing more we could do. Yeah, the Constitution says basically that we could be in session for one hundred and twenty days, and that we must start. Um, I believe on the second Wednesday of January. Huh. Uh, and so, so yeah, we're when we're done, we're done. Why, why is it like that? You think? You know, I think it's because uh, historically they have wanted folks who were serving in the legislature to be uh, working citizens um, and this not be kind of their full time job. And so, you know, having it time limited is important. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also things like making sure we have a balanced budget and we don't push things off um, is also important. And so we're considered a part time legislature. So which is, you know, not true in these day and age, but um, (laughs) But that's when we're in session, uh, and then a lot of the other work is done outside of session. And it's, it kind of seems like like in sports, where it's like championships are won in the off season. Yeah, you know yeah. what? It's true. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, we do all the work uh, out of session. We go into session, and that's when we're running bills. But we've done all the work to build up for for them for you know months. Yeah. Um, and then I'm on the budget committee, so we meet year round. Um, building the budget and hearing from departments and all of that. So you're right. It's it's like it it is like we're in our off season right now, but we're still we're still we're still working. We're still grinding. Yeah, no, I feel you. I see you out here grinding. But before we get too <laughs> deep, let's uh, can you tell the world who we're talking, who we get the privilege of talking to today? Oh yeah, hey everybody. I'm State Representative Leslie Harrod. I represent House District Eight, which is right here in Denver. Yeah, I want to get one of those. Eventually, I'm gonna get to a point where I have a little like wah 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 like. Intro. You know I'm <laughs> no, I'm, I'm that was re- good enough. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to have you on, yo, for for a lot of different reasons. Like, you know, I've been I'm relatively young to the game, and, and you know, starting to build my network and understand how this whole thing moves. But you know, it's it's very rare when you come across folks that every time you see them, they like the 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 consistency of authenticity, like is is throughout everything I've seen you in. Um, and so mm-hmm. just someone I've definitely like admired from afar. And, you know, the fact that Ednium was able to do our initial launch pad and we were able to have some folks come through and you came through on that. I know it was a long time ago, so you might not even remember, but like it did a lot for like, I don't know, the spirit to know that we were trying to start something new within our communities and folks who take the time. Like it just, it means a lot. So it means a lot for you to be on here too. Well, I appreciate your support and your love. And I got to tell you, you know, I'm here to support folks who are doing good things and you're out there doing it. Hopefully. hopefully. So here, you know, we, have, we haven't made you no are. one mad at us yet. You know what I'm saying? We'll see when we cross that bridge. 
<laughs> you know, how, how do you deal with that, actually, like, as an elected official? Like, I think I've finally gotten to a spot where I'm realizing that, like, yo, just nothing you're going to do is going to be able to make everyone happy. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, right. how do you like, negotiate that? Especially, like, when it's, like, your own people that seem to be, there. there's a, you know, there's a rift within the communities we're trying, the very communities we're trying to serve. How do, how do you manage that? Well, I think uh, first you got to come to terms with the fact that leadership means that everyone is not going to be happy with you. Yeah. You know, when when I think people think about politics, they think it's it's pretty black and white. You know, hmm. they don't really think about the times when your values and conflicts actually conflict with each other. You know, yeah. I've been I've had some pretty tough instances, even just this legislative session where there are my own values came into to, to question, you know, whether it was ensuring that we had you know, more funding for mental health and substance misuse and harm reduction, but also knowing that, you know, um, there were the dangerous drugs on our streets that were harming our kids. You know, it's like, what do we do? How do we balance that conversation? You know, I'm not for the war on drugs or over incarceration, but damn, kids are dying and my community wants me to do something about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so these, these times are really challenging. And and sometimes you got to, you got to know that you're going to make people upset and that's okay. And you got to also really work, I think, to balance um, the differences and try to unite people as much as possible. What I think is the most useful part of what I've learned in this work is that even though we can seem very different on the surface, we're actually much more alike than we are different. You know, we all love, we all have fears, especially for our young people, you know, um, for ourselves, for our futures. And we all, you know, we all want to be, we all want that stability, you know, yeah. uh, and that ability to take risks, um, knowing that the, there'll be a foundation or at least a net to catch us. Oh. Uh, and for some, that's generational wealth. And for others, that's wanting to obtain that, you know. And so uh, there's often times where we seem so deeply conflicted, but we're much more aligned than not. Hmm. And I say that, though, knowing that we are in a time where our society is very deeply divided. And it's really important that we come together and we see us for who we really are, which is much more than our political affiliation or how we feel about this issue or the next. Yeah, no, I feel you. It's something that like surprised me was, I don't know if like you're looking at it at the outside, like when you see the campaigns and everything, you know, you would swear that some folks were like mortal enemies. And then mm-hmm. like, I found myself in, in like, I don't know, different banquets and stuff, you know, like the fancy parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like oh yo they're like having a drink together and like uh, my initial reaction is like well what the hell's going on but then if i like think about it further and i put my feelings aside or my knee-jerk reaction aside i realize like yo we have to work together mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean um, mm-hmm. but it just seems like the uh the campaign part of it i don't know it's almost like we have to be assholes i guess i don't know i might be off right and that just that just style doesn't work or or if it does work it's so divisive you know and like senator coleman and i james and i hang out a lot and you know we talk about this like you know i might go have a drink with a white conservative and someone sees me and they're like why is she with them you know why is she doing that is she selling out and it's like no, I'm actually just having a drink. And by the way, he's actually pretty fun. Like yeah. he's hilarious. Um, I don't know. I don't agree with him on a, a lot of issues, but sometimes we do, but like, why not get to know somebody as a person? Yeah. Um, 
and then still know that I could disagree with you respectfully. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You know, you don't actually have to be assholes in it, but I tell you what, the press loves to see it. Oh man, um, sales, don't it? You know, they love to like find those moments when you are maybe not at your best. And because we all do it, yep. um, and put that out there for everybody to see and be like, this is how politics is. But it's actually not. It's you know, not. another thing is I ran um the law enforcement accountability bill. So I'm pretty big on police reform and police accountability. Yep. And um, you know, for I think obvious reasons, but uh, last week I spoke at the law enforcement academy graduation at Colorado Mountain College, oh. uh, and it was an honor to be asked to go, but also to to then understand their stories from their perspective, why they want to be law enforcement officers, uh, and for me to share my perspective and and it was really compelling, yeah. you know. And there will be some who will see photos of that and think something of me, yeah, but hopefully there'll be, be like more folks who think, well, at least she's trying to build a bridge because that's what. That's what the work calls for. We got to build bridges. What What did you hear? Like, what are you hearing? I was. I had a conversation with someone a few months back who was in the police academy. We were having the conversation. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to me because dude, you know, kind of came from the neighborhood and was just like, yo, look, like, I'm trying to make this difference in this way. Like, what What did you hear from, from those folks as to, like, why they wanted to be cops? It always interests me is, like, why you would sign up for a job like that. <laughs> Seems like it'd be so hard. Yeah. Well, these, so keep in mind, these are, mo- these are mostly mountain um, uh, towns, right? Yeah, so yeah. they were coming from like Leadville or um, other towns in the mountains, Vale. Um, and they were from small towns too. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, and some were from others, other states, but for the most part, people were coming in because they wanted to do something for their communities. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to help, you know, and make a difference. And for them, this was the way that they could do that. You know, um, I don't think for me, I would say that if I wanted to make a difference, I need to go be law enforcement. Yeah. But I understand people who do. In fact, my father is retired law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and he did it for the exact same reasons. Um, and, 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 you know, we talked about it. It's like, we know that there are so many divides. There are so many, you know, perceptions of who you are because you're law enforcement and, and it's incumbent upon both of us, all of us to change that. Um, because the one, two, three, four, you know, law enforcement officers that have completely lost their way, um, and who do harm in our communities, they should be weeded out, but you should be the one weeding them out, not us, Yeah, you know? So, so stop the, you know, the back, the blue at all costs, because what it does is it hurts your reputation and who you are and your quite frankly, your integrity. Yeah. And what I saw was men and women, um, and I use that intentionally, men and women who were there, who were um, who were going in with a lot of integrity, you know, who did want to just help. Um, I didn't see anyone who I thought, oh, that person's going to be super problematic or, yeah. you know, look at that like racist person or that person who doesn't, who isn't listening, who's a hothead, you know, <laughs> I yeah. saw none of that. You know, I now don't get me wrong. I do see it when I go to other spaces with law enforcement. Sometimes you can definitely tell who might be problematic. You know, I didn't, I didn't see any of that. And so I know that you grow into it. And so we've got to change that culture from the inside. But again, it starts with having these open conversations and them inviting me to speak was a huge offer in, in starting that conversation and that dialogue. Not for real. I mean, that takes, that takes guts, like in a Mm -hmm. real way, like, I mean, it takes guts just to even be in the position that you're in, like a super public and everything. Like, <laughs> walk me through your story. How'd you even get to that, to the point where you're able to thrive in the way you're thriving? 
or at least from the outside, it seems like you're thriving. Like, what was that journey? Take take me back a little bit. You know, um, you, so how how I got to be in politics or just in general? Yeah, uh, I, I guess both. <laughs> I guess both. Mm, well, I was born on a warm day in September. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was born in Germany. Uh, my mom was an officer in the army and um, uh, she was a single mom. Uh, and then I eventually came to Colorado uh, after traveling a lot of different places. She was an OBGYN. We traveled a lot. Um, eventually came to Colorado Springs. Uh, and, you know, I kind of realized quickly that I was really good at understanding systems and rules and also how to break them. Huh. So I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty uh, rebellious, we'll say. Uh, and, um, you know, I was probably getting a little bit too much of a handful for my mom. And she was dealing with my brother and my sister. And my oldest sister has had uh, issues with, mental health and substance misuse and incarceration. And so, you know, it was a challenging, challenging time growing up. Uh, I had another family that kind of reached in and, and helped to support me. Um, and that's where, you know, my dad on that side of the family is law enforcement. Yep. Um, and uh, he, he was down at Supermax prison, actually worked his way up from the groundskeeper uh, to the head of internal investigations. Yeah. Uh, but I just saw him as, as, you know, the best man I knew, honestly, yeah. uh, and still do. He is still the best man I know. He's amazing. Um, and, you know, kind of grew up and graduated in 2000. Um, went to, went to uh, CU Boulder for college, go Buffs. Uh, okay. uh, realized that I was going from a place, you know, mostly military bases that were pretty diverse to the least diverse campus, like in America. Yeah. I had no idea. In America. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. And uh, realized that, like, I had a duty beyond what I wanted to do, which was to be a cheerleader, uh, beyond doing that. And instead, my duty was to serve the community and ensure that we had more diversity, but also that the campus was actually more welcoming and inclusive to students of color and LGBTQ students and everybody else wanted to be there. So I ran for office. And uh, I eventually became the president. Uh, We had the largest student government in the nation, still do. Uh, so when I, by the time I was president, I ran a $36 million budget and I was barely 20 years old. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so my friends in that were folks who we, we fought alongside of each other. So they're now in office too. So Congressman Joe Nagoose, who's the first um, black person to be sent to Congress uh, from, from Colorado. Um, Steve Finberg, who's the president of the Senate and Lisa Kaufman, who is uh, the governor's chief of staff. And then myself, we were all, you know, fighting this fight together at CU and now we're here. And fun fact, when we were students and I was leading some protests, I don't know, uh, (laughs) for the Black Student Alliance, Wanda James, who's now a candidate for CU Regent, came down as as an alum, a Black alum of CU to help. And so we used all of those connections and still do to lift each other up, but most importantly, to help the people of Colorado. And so that's kind of where I got my start and my footing and my appreciation for other people's values and, and where they come from, but also most importantly, how to fight for each other so that Mm -hmm. we could be successful together. Um, And that taught me that I could do a lot. You know, I didn't think I was going to run for office though. I got to tell you, because when I was an aide at the, at the Capitol, there was only one other black woman serving at the time. And that was Rosemary Marshall. Um, and I was like, this is white landia, you know, like I'm going to have to move somewhere else if I want to run for office. Um, 
And I mean, if I'm being honest with you, you I still didn't know a lot about Denver yet. I was Colorado Springs, you know, yeah. girl that I was, I was CU Boulder College, you know, and so I didn't know enough about Denver. But I moved down here uh, and moved directly to Park Hill and fell in love, mm-hmm. you know, fell in love um, and realized that this was the first place I could ever call home, you know, being a military brat traveling yeah. around so much. And so um, started working on campaigns, started working in politics kept involved in the community and eventually worked for president Barack Obama, um, and realized that, you know, the only limitations that I, that were on me were put on myself. And yes, I was going to have to work five times as hard to get to where they are, you know, but I could do it. I can work five times as hard, you know, um, to open the door for someone else. And so then I eventually decided to run and here we are. Man. That's a hell of a journey. I mean, <laughs> what is uh, I, I'm always curious about folks who did like the the student politics and stuff in college. Like, how much of that is actually like a microcosm of what happens, you know, in the in the state house or whatever? Like, is there some parallels or is it like decidedly different? Well, you know, I can only speak for my CU experience, which I gotta tell you, it's different because we were. You know, we have student fee autonomy, and I think there's only a few, a handful of other campuses across the country that have that. And what that means is that the students are in control of their student fees. So the reason why I had a $36 million budget was because I was able to control all the student fees, not tuition, but the student fees that were coming into the budget. So we ran things like the health center. We employed hundreds of people. I mean, it was a, it's a real position. Yeah. Um, we didn't do, you know, we didn't do dances, you know, we had <laughs> policy tables and all of that. Um, and that was pretty real. I mean, yeah. the, it's so funny because even the folks who are on the other side of me, so on the, the right side, you know, yeah. um, the more conservative side, they're also still very involved in Colorado politics, um, in some way. And it, it's real. These are the people that I will probably be engaging with for the rest of my life, you know, some I've been able to build bridges with and some I haven't. Uh, And so that's just very real and knowing kind of their mindset and how they approach things and when they're going to attack you and what for, and you know, how they're going to distract you uh, from your political goals or uh, policy goals, you know, with uh, political bombs is something that is true. And it happened when I was younger and it happens today. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I was, so I was, uh, it is a microcosm. It's so fascinating, but it really is. When I was, when I was talking to, uh, Senator Coleman, cause he was on, he was on the podcast, like right after he won the election. And, uh, like, how do y'all like, cause they be saying some wild stuff sometimes. And they, mm-hmm. they, they, <laughs> like, how do y'all deal with that and not like pop off when you see them? Like after you read some crazy stuff in the news, like, I, I don't understand. I think that's the one thing that like prevents me from running for anything. Cause like, I don't even know how I'd handle that situation. Like I assume that's because, I mean, that's part of your gift and the thing that you, that you use to to navigate the world. But damn, I've been, I've been seeing it and it gets nasty sometimes. Yeah, it is. Um, I would say some days are better than others about using that restraint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I definitely would say James is better than me. Although when he (laughs) does go off, it's funny. But I mean, honestly, in in politics, especially when we're in session, it's like high school. I mean, some days you're good and you can let things roll off your back and some days you can't, you know? Um, And so sometimes you do pop off, you know, and you do say things. Um, 
And sometimes they're warranted. And sometimes you turn around and you're like, you know what? We're good. I shouldn't have said that, yeah. you know? I mean, because um, you're the people. We, literally on the floor, there are fights, fist fights on the floor sometimes. I mean, it is. It gets wild. It gets wild. Oh, man. So, um, <laughs> Have yeah, to, have a world star moments on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is true, and be, usually it's because someone, you know, I mean, it it happens. It's not yeah. good, you yeah. know, but it happens. And so, um, but when it, but we try to keep a focus on policy, and that's why we have, you know, people who come to the Capitol are like, "What is going on? Why do you have so many rules? Why do you have to speak that way?" And it's because we we try to we try to speak with integrity. We try to speak with respect you know we don't call anyone out by name or impugn motives um, because that will lead to more focus on the individual as opposed to the policy and we always have to step back and remember that it's not about us it's about the people we serve yeah yeah for sure Mm -hmm. man man I, i think that's one thing is like these are all human beings you know in this in this space um that make mistakes, that have emotions. And, and, you know, uh, Tay Anderson was on the podcast not too long ago. And, like, what I was asking him was, like, yo, like, what I saw when I first came into this space was, like, all the protests and all the all the people were kind of coming and yelling at the school board or, like, you know, uh-huh. at y'all. And it was all, like, yo, if we just get these people in here, in this position, like, all our problems would be solved. And then we get our people in position and we realize like it's a it's a bigger game, you know, not only because like policy's hard and, and trying to get people on track is hard, it's because human beings are human beings and, mm-hmm. and we got these conflicting emotions and all this stuff. Like, how do we move our communities past and like help them understand like this is a process? I heard a quote the other day, it said, uh, flowers don't bloom year round. Shout out Emma. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like we're always looking for like some type of quick fix, and I'm like, well, it just doesn't work that way. And every time we like set that expectation, or someone, I get real suspicious anytime t- someone tells me if we just do this, all your problems are going to be solved, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how to like shift that mindset in our communities that like this is a grind, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's hard. It's even harder to do that while you're also doing the work, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to take partnership. I think, I mean, that's a really hard question because I think where it comes from is a lack of trust. I mean, our communities have been screwed over by this system for so long. I understand why they don't want to engage, you know, I understand why they think nothing is going to change and it feels so incremental when your life is so urgent, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it is right. Um, and so I think that's a really, a really tough thing to do. The only way that we're going to get there, though, is I think by having these authentic conversations, but also um, by ensuring that people from our communities are, are running to hold these seats, running for office um, and being supported in those runs. Yeah. Because we can, you know, we have a tendency to let the petty get in the way. Um, and I don't like this person or did you know what happened with Wu or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And that is you know, that keeps us from our prize, you know? So it's really important that we, that we stay focused and that we support each other. Um, I was just at an event today with Carlotta, Carlotta Walls, who was with the, the um, Little Rock Nine. And, you know, I think about what she went through, thinking about, you know, how she went, just tried to go to school and it was spit on and Mm -hmm. and people threw stuff at her and all that stuff. Um, She just wanted to ensure that she 
and others like her, other black kids could go to school and they withstood so much hatred. They, their houses were firebombed, but they stood, they still stood together and they might not have liked each other, you know, but they said as black people, we are standing united so that we could do something big for our people. And I think we got to do that again. For real. I wonder how much, and like, I might be off base here. This is me talking like, you know, she was just trying to get to school and like school was like such a tangible thing. You know what I mean? Like it was very clear, like what that goal was. Like, what do you feel like the goal is now that like people can actually like unify and like move forward on? Well, you know what? That is, that is a good question. You know, what is that goal? Because I think as we've, we've started to really see the, how insidious the oppression is, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a little bit harder to identify that goal because the problems are everywhere, yeah. you know? And we feel like even though we've made these changes and the, this progress, that it's still not enough, right? Yep. Um, our folks still aren't in, you know, kids don't have access to good quality schools or, um, you know, the institutional or the generational wealth excuse me, is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it is harder because we're fighting something so insidious and it's hard to identify in that way. But I think we just got to, we got to just say we're fighting for each other. Yeah. You know, we're fighting for each other and we're fighting for our futures. And that, that hopefully is enough to unite us. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, on the school thing, obviously like, you know, we're more focused on education. Like, I'm starting to realize, like, people don't even have a universal consensus on, like, what a quality school is. You feel me? Like, mm-hmm. we don't even, <laughs> I, I mean, I even find myself questioning myself sometimes. Like, what does it mean to have a good school? Or, like, what does it mean to have a quality education? What does that really mean right now? Right? Like, I'm not convinced that, like, a good school means I could, like, do well on this test. You feel me? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of what we've been talking about with Ednium is, like, a lot of the metrics of success we have in school are actually inputs and not outputs. And like, we lack this like mechanism to try to, I don't know, like what is success in school? I would assume that like, if I'm a principal or I'm a teacher or even me as a parent, like success for me is my son being able and my daughter being able to like go out into the world and thrive. You feel what I mean? But we don't, we don't know how to track that. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like what is uh-huh. success? Like what is success for real? Is something I've been. I mean, Ennium's been like really seeking. So I guess I'll I'll just ask you the question: Like, how do you define success? Like, and how has that definition of success like evolved over time? Uh huh. You know, I think that's that's another good question. Um, I think we have lost sight of what success is, and as much as we've talked about, you know, the equity gap or the achievement gap or whatever you want to call it. Um, we still have not really improved the outcomes for black and brown youth in Colorado, period. And we've been working on it for at least two decades, you know? Um, And I think it's because we've taken the wrong direction. We've become so reliant on testing um, that we have stopped valuing experiences uh, and we stopped valuing individuality and the person. And, you know, if you think about schools that are doing well, and you think about how those kids are able to um, have a lot more self-determination, uh, yep. you know, you can see why they're more successful. They have room to fail. You know, their mm-hmm. failures don't mean jail. 
yeah. or juvenile detention. You know, their failures mean a lesson, a life lesson, almost like a freaking one of those TV shows, you know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where, you know, you, you do something bad in school and, and you get a talking to and you learn and you grow. And, but for us, you know, it could mean, it could mean incarceration or being involved in the criminal justice system. Yeah. And so you, you're, you're taught to conform. You're taught <laughs> to do the best you can on tests without thinking expansively about how to change the game, how to be innovative, you know, how to be a Steve Jobs, you know, yeah. right. Or whatever that is. Um, and that's something that I think is holding us back. And so, you know, I look forward to more innovation in schools. I look forward to more flexibility in schools. I look forward to more freedom because if I, little Leslie, who was very rebellious, <laughs> yep. like I said, didn't have the opportunity for that rebellion, um, I wouldn't be who I am today, you know? And so I think it really is important that we do allow, we do create structure, but we allow for um, some freedom within that structure. Yeah, 100%. And that's what we really should be measuring is, 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 is that, you know, and, and how we're seeing individuality shine through in our young people. For real. For real. It's crazy you say that because, like, I reflect back on my pops and, like, I think about a lot of the lessons my dad taught me, you know, like, I, t- I tell the story about, like, when he was trying to teach me how to drive. Before I even started the car, he, like, gave me a lesson on, like, what to do if the cops pulled me over. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, in the back of my head, I always hear him saying, like, son, don't ever get caught up in the system. The moment you're in the system, they got you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there ain't no escaping. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what it is. And so, like, I'm always, like, navigating and moving. Like, I'm just trying not to get caught up because I, like, realize I don't got a lot of chances. Like, what does that do to kill someone's spirit? Like, a lot. I was also a rebellious mm-hmm. kid, though. My mom tell you. She, uh, <laughs> she, she told me she, the only time she calls my little brother my name by accident is when he's in trouble. I was like, damn. You know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, yeah, we would be, we would be an a interesting pair in, in high school, huh? Oh, Getting man. into trouble. <laughs> we would have we tore some stuff up. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What do you, what do you feel is success for you personally? Like, what is what is success for Leslie? Not necessarily representative, Harriet, but like, Leslie, what is success for you as you kind of go along this journey? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. I think for me, success uh, looks like continued growth. You know? Um, if I, I think I will be successful when I achieve something beyond my wildest dreams. You know? When I think I'm going one way and I'm going a completely different way and find happiness in that, Mm -hmm. that is success, you know, because that means I wasn't on some rigid path, but instead I allowed myself to explore, allowed myself to grow and challenge myself and others and took a whole different direction and, and, and found, and found value and happiness there, you know? And so for me, it's that continued journey, that continued growth, that success and Whenever I stay stagnant, that's that's not success, you yeah. know. Even if I'm successful, quote unquote, but I'm stagnant and not growing, uh, for me, that that's not it, you know. Yeah. I've got to be in more challenge, more growth, more innovation, more opportunity. Uh, that that's where I really thrive. No, I feel you on that. It's interesting, like generationally, like I think I would define success in that way as well. I was talking to my mm-hmm. grandma, she was like, "Yo, like just sit still, bro." <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And, like, I wonder, I kind of, like, go through these, you know, go back and forth between that being my definition and, like, on the other side being, like, y'all know I'm successful when I can sit still and be content. Mm 
But at the same time, like the idea of complacency scares the hell out of me. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know. I don't got the answers. You know, I just got a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Um, yeah, and that's all right. You know, I think we got to keep asking those questions, right? For real. Yeah. You know, switching gears a little bit back to some of the policy stuff. Um, you know, at Neom, we we got this big win with the school district around financial literacy, which. It's crazy how much it took to get something that everyone told me they agreed on to get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we've been having mm-hmm. this like real, real discussion like within the team, within the alumni we work with, and with the board around like how we define success as an organization, right? And so like some people are as telling us like, "Yo, y'all got the policy passed. Um, celebrate, you won, you did it." And we could like rest on that laurel if we wanted, but like. We also know the district right now don't have like the operational capacity to make it, to implement it in a way that we know is one, culturally relevant, but two, like economically relevant, like to this, like the 21st century economy. And so like when y'all are passing these bills and and passing these resolutions and all these, all these things, like, do you ever grapple with like, is my job done when I pass this bill or is my job really to see this thing through all the way yeah i think good legislators it's the latter you know um because it's it's really not about just the bill it's really did the bill implement you know and are we supporting those in the community who are trying to get it done you know like you right um as you know we pass these bills and typically talk about how it's going to impact people of color and then the communities don't get nothing they never see it they never hear about it you know um then your job is not done. And that's kind of why we have the session and the interim and the interim, we're supposed to be looking at that implementation piece um, and really following things through. Um, And I think a lot of that too, is about what's a perceived win, you know? So if I can, if I can show the community that I did X, Y, and Z because I passed a bill or got signed, that's a really tangent, like, like that's a perceived win, right? And egos, everyone loves a good photo and all of that. Mm -hmm. But, and then they forget about it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't actually do the work to implement, which is not the pretty work, which is not where you get the photos, you know, yeah. um, they did it. The, the win was a photo op, you know, yeah. I mean, as opposed to a real win for the community. And so you do have to see it through. And when, when folks say, call and say, Hey, like you had this, pro- this bill and this idea, but it's not happening in my, in my school or my community. Um, it's our job to come out there and, and help and get it done. Yeah. Because if we don't, that's probably what breeds the mistrust, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I saw you, I saw you on the news. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, still, I'm still out here struggling. You know, you listen to uh, J. Cole. He has this, uh, he has this line that says, uh, "Celebrating first downs like they're touchdowns comes with a price." Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much like policy in and of itself is a first down, and you know. Maybe maybe legislators are the running back that gets us that first down, but like, who's the quarterback for real? Who's playing? Who's calling the plays? Mm-hmm. You know, that's real. Yeah. That's real. Um, absolutely. I mean, I I love all your sports analogies. Yeah. <laughs> I was a cheerleader, but you know, I don't know about all the, all the stuff. But yep, yep. <laughs> but what? I do think that it is it is the first it is the first down. Like it is you know, the policy change, but that doesn't change hearts and minds. That doesn't change community. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to do roll up your sleeves and get the rest of the work done. If you want to get all the way down the field. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. 
So what do you, what do you, do you take a break? Like, do you give yourself a vacation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do it more now. Um, you know, I think it's, I've, I've come to realize that if we don't take care of ourselves and that also reverberates out into the community, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, those vibrations are real. We have to take care of ourselves if we want to take care of others, whether it's our families, whether it's our friends, you know, whether it's community, we've got to make sure that we're centering ourselves too. And so uh, I'm trying to do more of that. So hopefully I will get a little vacation uh, here and there. I love to travel. Um, I think it expands my way of thinking as well. When you realize there are people who do things completely different than you yeah. and that's okay, yeah. you know? Um so I hope to get some traveling done this summer. I hope I hope you do. My therapist was asking me, he was like, when's the last time you did something for just for you? You know? Mm-hmm, I was like, well, mm-hmm. I did this thing. He's like, that wasn't for you, yeah. bro. That was for work. He's like, you keep guys in a bunch of stuff that you do for yourself, but it's like actually work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So trying- when, what are you going to do? You know, one thing I've been trying is learning how to play golf. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> for a variety of different reasons. That stuff is hard as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like talk about insidious. I don't know why the hell that ball keeps going to the left. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> but like some of some about like going outside and doing something that's hard, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh but I've been I've been thinking about that a lot. So I've been wondering like like what do people do for themselves to like maintain? You know, what what is that thing that you do outside of traveling on a day to day and trying to get some game from folks? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta just get out there and do it. And I love the idea of challenging yourself to learn something, you know, um, and to like master something new, right. Like yeah. accomplish something that you just want to do. I, I think we, we, we lose some of that too, especially as we get older, you know? So, yeah. so go, go, go get that ball. You'll be great. I mean, hopefully <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We're doing this, uh, fundraiser at Top Golf, And I realized like how self-conscious some folks are. Like, yo, bro, mm-hmm. I suck at this. I ain't going to do it. I'm like, bro, come on, man. We're just going to go have some fun. We're just going to have some fun. Um, last question. I guess last hard question. Um, you know, what were some assumptions you had going into this role? You, you got elected in 2016. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 2016, like, what assumptions did you have going in that you no longer hold? Um, you know, that the right was my enemy and that I couldn't, you know, my job was just to fight them, you know, when in actuality, my job is not to fight them. My job is to um, help people understand why our communities are important. Uh, And you can't yell that at someone and make them change their mind. You got to show them, you know, Um, you've got to understand where they're coming from to ask them then to understand where you're coming from. And that takes real work. Um, And that's something that I learned that I, I probably didn't really understand going in. Um, you think it's more, you know, fighting and getting your way, but really it's more about really understanding each other um, so that you can make progress together. I love that. I love that. We're going to get there one day. How do we, how do we have more <laughs> folks like you in the, in this space? Like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? How do we get more folks like you, like with that type of mindset? running because it seems like it only rewards like the rah 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 like we talked about but like you know for me personally like people have asked me to run for stuff and i'm like hell no that's not for me you know Mm -hmm. Um, how do we get more folks to understand that like you can you could go in you could get stuff done you could be authentic you could still be who you are and you don't have to like have hate in your heart 
how do we get more people involved? I guess is what I'm saying. I think again, more authentic conversations, you know, so people can relate and understand that it is kind of worth it. I think people see it right now as just drama and fighting and people say, I don't want that. I don't want that for my life, you know, but they don't see the good that comes out of it. They don't see the impact in the community, but they also don't see the, the relationships that are built and, you know, the, the good sides of things. And so I think just having those conversations more uh, is important. hundred percent. I mean, and that's what we're trying to do with the pod, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got the prototype right here. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're trying to do it. We're trying to do it. We're trying to do it. Well, Last question I want to have. I, I lied to you last time. Last question I want to have <laughs> is like, when was the last time you felt like, yeah, I did that? Um, I think when we recently, when we made Juneteenth the holiday, mm-hmm. it was really Thank nice you. to see because I, I know so many folks have been fighting for that for so long. Um, and we have an amazing Juneteenth celebration right here in Denver. And so just seeing that happen was really, was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also remember when we passed uh, police accountability and just how, like how big that was. We worked with Elijah McLean's mom, Shanine and others to make that happen. And um, no, seeing left and right come together, you know, black, black folks, but definitely white folks too mm-hmm. saying this is important and getting that bill, not only introduced, but passed was was so huge in that moment i was like wow we, i cannot because i didn't think yeah. it was going to happen yeah i cannot believe we did it and so so that was pretty amazing so you know I, I i want to live my life and live each day on purpose uh and so i'm trying to be more intentional about every single day and having those moments every single day and appreciating them and so with grace um with humility and but also you know, with power and strength um, and purpose. So live on purpose. I think we found the title <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> live on purpose. I love that. Love that. Anything else you want the world to know? I mean, with folks that might not be familiar with, with the world you're operating in, um, folks that might be thinking about getting more involved and deeply involved in their community, anything you want to leave them with? Just don't forget that we work for you. Elected officials work for community, work for the people. And so if you need us, call on us. Um, We are accessible. We are local. We live in your community, you know, Um, and, and also hold elected officials accountable. Um, But also know that it's a lot easier to do things to you when you're not there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if you're not there, if you're not engaged, if you don't show up, um, you will have bad outcomes because people will be ready to harm you, honestly. Yeah. Um, but if you're there, it makes it a lot harder. Yo, uh, my boy Uzman says, uh, and Papa Ja, they say, uh, if you're not, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Right. You know. Yeah. Show up. We got to show up. And I appreciate you showing up for us. Um, <laughs> you know, and we we support you 100. Um, and you know, I'm still Thank trying you. to figure this thing out. And I'm still trying to figure this thing out. But you inspire a lot of people. Um, myself included so it was an honor I appreciate you thank you so much it's an honor to be with you I look forward to doing it again absolutely okay talk soon